0: It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, January 11th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is really excited, actually, about this home-and-home against the Washington Capitals. A
1: good tester.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, We will talk about that and get your mailbag questions answered on today's show. hello once again i am rachel donner you can find me on twitter at our i'm here with the lovely and talented russ cohen who is on twitter at sportsology thanks for making us your first listen every day you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at locked on flyers that is where you will keep up to date with our episodes and flyers news can also email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail if you want your questions answered, like we are going to do today. Locked on flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, if you want to see our smiling faces, you can subscribe over at YouTube as well. Uh, Russ, all quiet on the Western Front, as they say. Uh, nothing no. really out of Flyers' land yesterday. So we turn our attention to tonight's matchup, the first of a home and home with the Washington Capitals. And, you know, obviously the biggest news for the Capitals is the recent return of Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom to their. Yeah, lineup. I
1: mean, Nick Backstrom's really trying to do something nobody's been able to do and it's come back from that hip resurfacing injury guys have come back but they haven't stayed in the in the game long after that and we'll see like i'm not going to judge him this early on i'm going to give him a while but still Man. having him in the lineup there's an emotional lift for sure tom wilson is an interesting one because we'll see if he came back a little too soon uh and because i know he was somebody had told me he was experiencing pain just a few weeks ago maybe it was you i don't remember who it was um, but we'll see. We'll see. You know, that's another big addition. And it it's addition an addition that if all of a sudden the Flyers do want to go rogue and and start fighting. Well, you're gonna have to face Tom Wilson now. So maybe uh rethink that.
0: Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do on that side of his game with the injury. And is he gonna just wanna, you know, play it safe for a little bit and try to get it? Tom Wilson play it safe. I, think... I know. Well, you know, it, it, stranger things have happened in this game. But uh, interestingly, in the return of Backstrom and Wilson on Sunday versus Columbus Capitals, only had 19 shots on goal the entire game. It's their fewest of the season. They did win the game, but it was a one nothing shutout of Columbus. So it, it's uh, it, it's intriguing to see you know what their recovery process will be like and what their actual impact will be in the game in philly to start that home and home uh the caps have been resting since then on sunday the flyers played monday so both are are rested but the caps have one extra i can hear
1: Laviolette saying that that last game was too effing casual and i could hear him telling them to just take a lot of shots (laughs) on that
0: yeah i can hear that as well uh definitely a different kind of approach than torts to coaching but uh intense nonetheless as we recall from our our days of having Lavi behind the bench Uh, we did see the caps on december 7th and since then so you know a little over a month uh the caps have been playing really well they have the third highest point percentage in the NHL behind Boston and Carolina 11 two and two in that time frame um, you know obviously the Flyers have improved a, a little bit more recently but don't have that kind of a stretch even remotely no. this season uh so there's a clear differential there um also in that stretch the caps have had the seventh highest penalty kill the flyers are 19th the 12th highest power play so kind of mid-pack but the flyers are 28th and we know about the flyers it could be 29 by the
1: by the time that, an, game, that game starts i know
0: <laughs> i know so the the flyers are down over 10 percent on the power play to the caps it's a lot
1: I mean look the Flyers generally play the caps well I mean I think it'll be close for a while it, it's one of those things where without Sovechkin uh, if he's not having a great game don't give him a reason to have a great game don't start hitting him or hitting his teammates out of the blue and f- get him fired up because I've seen it happen and then all of a sudden he sort of wakes up and you know has like two goals you got to watch out for that you do have to watch out for um, again them getting shorthanded chances on the penalty kill. They're a team that can do that. You, um, Darcy Kemper, has been way better than people want to admit. I mean, again, if you want to say he's a okay goalie that won a Stanley Cup, that's fine. But he's had a really fine season, and he's had four shutouts. So uh, again, you don't right. want to take him lightly because he can lull you into you know that kind of game. And again. Coming off the the game that the Flyers just had, they're a Jack on high team. It wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden they're starting to struggle for for scoring. So it's going to be a different kind of game. Uh, even though they did face a high powered team, uh, this is a high powered team with veterans. You know the Sabers don't have a lot of veterans, and that's the difference here.
0: Yeah, it is a, a big difference here. Uh, I think because of the return of of Backstrom and of Tom Wilson, that first game they had didn't go exactly well. And it takes a while to reintegrate guys back into the lineup. You know, when you've had things stable for a while, Um, but obviously those guys, you're going to want to put back in. And after that, you know, disappointing performance from an offensive perspective, they shuffled the lines at practice yesterday a little bit. And, uh, Lars Eller is on the wing now that's new. Um, He had been at 3C, but they moved him up to the second line with Backstrom and Oshie because they think that offensive combination is going to work a little better. So, you know, no guarantees on what we're going to actually see in the game so far, but in terms of what practice they put together, uh, that is an interesting thing. And uh, they had done a little experiment with Strom at wing on Sunday, he's now back to center because that did not work out well, no. which is not shocking to me in in any way, shape or form. But also uh, Sonny Milano is up on that top line with Kuznetsov and yeah, Milano's done
1: well for them, like 19 points in 30 games, seven goals, something like that. Uh, really good season for him. Really good addition for them. He's you know, he understands when he sees guys like Mantha and Abi Kubel getting scratched that he's gonna have to keep performing to stay in this lineup. But I think he's up to the task and it also improves their team's speed because he's speed he's very speedy. And again, they got a lot of guys who can dangle. They've got guys who could skate and hit like Oshi. Uh you know, it's a hard team to handle. Now, it's not unbeatable. You you know, if you can't get in the crease against them, that's good. They don't have Carlson, so they don't quite have the puck handling that they normally would from the back end. That's good. So, you know, there are right. things. Do I expect the exact same effort that they gave against Buffalo? Probably not, because I think Buffalo got stunned a little early and it took them a while to kind of get their game. And then the second period, we saw that they started to sort of take over. And then clearly, Sam Urson had something to say about that. I don't know who's going to be a net for the Flyers in this one. I'm not counting Urson out uh, just because of the way Tortorel has handled them. So, Either way, you know, it's going to be one of these games where the Flyers do really have to be mindful of not going too deep with their defensemen, because these guys will not only take it back the other way, but these guys will bury them. You know, Buffalo didn't really bury their chances yesterday, but these guys will.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of the uh, defensive side of things, that is where Washington is a little bit on the weaker side, to your point, with Carlson out. uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk is on their wow. top pairing wow. now which uh, I would not have no. <laughs> guessed that would ever happen. Um the last time the Flyers played the Caps, JVR was out, so now we get to see them actually up against each other, so that'll be fun to see. As far as the goaltending, I think it's going to be an interesting game uh, up uh, from the coaches up until the the game itself in terms of who's going to play a net because I would Suppose that each of these teams is going to play the starter and the backup yes. once in the home and home. But which game is are we going to see each, and are we going to see starter versus starter and backup versus backup, or or is it going to mix up depending on you know last minute decisions from the coaches?
1: Yeah, I mean, Lingren's had a really good year too, so they don't lose a lot. They've upgraded a lot in net compared to like the results they had last year, so they could win with either goalie. I just my feeling is is that they'll go with Kemper because they'll try and, you know, win this right. first game and, you know, have their best guy in there. That's just my feeling.
0: Yeah, and they could play Charlie Lindgren at home yes. over the weekend, which would make more sense, yeah. I think, for the Caps. So, um, you know, if I were the Flyers, I would just put Carter Hart in and then.
1: Yeah, I would too. You know, if
0: you want to play Erson again, have that be on the road. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I would be fine with that. But again, I want to see how the handling of this is going to go
0: it'll be a fun one though and especially since we'll get to play them twice in a row the second game should get a little scrappy over the weekend oh yeah
1: there'll be some hate there yeah yeah
0: so looking forward to that all right we have a whole bunch of your mailbag questions and we are going to get to them coming up next
1: today's episode is brought to you by bet online BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football football to college football season, basketball to soccer, esports, and of course the NHL, we've got you covered on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like ours, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.
0: Make sure you check out Locked On NHL Prospects. It's a daily show covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft. Plus, they've got rankings and top prospect comparisons for every team available wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, these questions are good. Uh, There was a lot of consternation in Flyers land uh, about the Ivan Provorov situation and trade deadline and we're facing the caps tonight. So there's a a lot of good questions around that as well. And I wanna start off with a question about tonight's matchup from Rob via email. He had a kind of a two-part question here. Um, He wants to know why Ovi seems to always get a pass and why no players lay big hits on him. Uh, why wouldn't a a team's game plan be to have Risto or somebody put some body on him and seems like he gets the old man treatment.
1: Well, all right. So, uh, he might be old in your eyes, but when Gordy, Howe was old, he'd still would elbow you in the face. And that's the thing about Ovi, you go take him out or try and take him out. And if you don't finish the job, he's coming after you. And it's gonna hurt. Yep. O- Ovi could lay the, the punishment. So that's a big reason why.
0: Yeah, he's a little sneaky with that sometimes. Yes. But he is very good at it. And he's also just so tremendous at at puck protection. Yeah. That he is gonna figure out a way to muscle you off him and mm-hmm. protect the puck at the same time. Like he's just a phenomenal player and he can do all of that uh still to this day, even at a um advanced age that is younger than me. So I think that um I think he can handle himself just fine in that. And and like you said, he'll he'll just burn you on his shot or a move oh, yeah. to get around you. So um I think that's really what it is. And and the second part of Rob's question is about the power play. Um, and this kind of changes the structure of the power play. This question would it be so terrible to have a player simply shadow him on the PK and take him out of the mix? It would just change the rest of the PK to a four on three rather than a five on four.
1: So by shadowing him, does that mean you're going to try and block his shot? I would like or to just see be on
0: him it. at the dot. Yeah.
1: I mean, sure you could do that, but if you do that, then you're leaving backstrom or Oshie or any of those guys open. So if you do that, right. the whole power play, you're playing a man short and, and he'll still burn you that way. He may not score. Mm-hmm. But they'll, they can still burn you that way. So you're, now you're, you know, you're already a man short. Now you're like a man and a half short. So I, I'm not sure it's a good strategy.
0: Right. And essentially, you would have to put your strongest guy up against him when you need that right. person to be covering you know, multiple other people. On the yeah, that's play. why you
1: play the box because you, you know, right. you're covering for an extra person out. So you're covering an area.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, when the caps are trying to get set up on the power play, that's when you try to get him out of his office, so to speak, and not give him permission to get there. But then, like, once they're set up and he's there, you just kind of got to play the box yeah, and, yeah. and see what you can do. All right. Uh, a Dubs wants to know or, or says there's never a good time to trade a number one minute eater, referring to Proveroff. That's what separates good GMs from Chuck Fletcher. Should you get an outsized return and and grow the team via a trade with Proveroff?
1: Well, I mean, okay, so let's take the, um, the Rangers as an example. Um, Ryan McDonough decided at one point that he wanted to be traded, and he got traded. Where did he go? He went to Tampa. What did they do? They won a cup. Was he a big part of it? Yeah, he was a big part of it. He was like a missing piece. So how often does a team trade a number one and do better afterwards? Not very often. So that's what you have to be careful of. Now, I'm not saying Provorov is at the level of McDonough, but you know he's at a, he's, he is at a certain level, and you have to uh, be very certain that what you're doing is replaceable, whether with young talent or what you got in the trade and what you got in a draft pick and who you're going to draft like you've got to have a real plan because just saying that you're going to do it and replace the guy may not work out.
0: Right, and is that counter to your plan of, you know, playing the game right according to torts and in terms right. of creating, building an identity and in in terms of developing the younger players correctly. Like mm-hmm. so if you don't have a guy like Provorf there and it's one more young guy in the lineup, like who's, who's doing the teaching, who's doing like the covering when the young guys make the mistakes, you know,
1: It's not that many guys left at that point,
0: right? Exactly. And so that's why I think, you know, of course you entertain trade options. You always entertain trade options. You look at what you can get. Um, but to me, if you're going to trade them, it should be closer to the deadline because you want more games, you know, under the flyers belt, for the season with a more stable defensive structure
1: yeah that's true too
0: all right uh other than pro v who else will or should be on the trading block at deadline
1: jvr justin braun nick sealer um i mean i hear all this talk about kevin hayes even at a 50 percent eat which i'm not sure it's worth it for the flyers to do that if you're going to eat 50 percent of his deal to get somebody you better be getting somebody that's you know very valuable top six valuable for doing that so you want to say kevin hayes fine but i I think that's a pipe dream um to see that happen might as well put pro in there because it's obviously they're going to put him in there and i think that's I think that's mostly it at the moment. Sure. Some, you know, something could happen where a team offers a great package for, you know, a player that you weren't expecting to trade. And then that could happen. But I, I, those are the guys mostly for me.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, much like the Justin Braun trade last year, I mean, I wonder if he drops down to a fourth this year, we got a third. Yeah, probably a fourth. Form. So he'll drop he down to And may not even be
1: in this draft. That's
0: the thing. Right right which you know want more picks in this draft but yeah um i think sealer is also a fourth uh, right now yeah. and yeah i think you know V, if you can get the right deal and and jbr are your top two uh guys to try yes. and, and make a deal on that is for sure uh kind of related to what i said before this is an interesting question uh, will the flyers start transactions earlier this year than you know opposed to right before the deadline
1: i mean i think they'll try but a lot of teams are so close to the cap they may have to wait till the deadline or a day before two days before the deadline because it's just more time has then whittled off a, a player's contract and it, it's you know that's a, the best time for them to add that money even if another team's eaten 50 percent so I think they'll try but i don't know how successful they'll be early on before the deadline
0: yeah i don't think so either and you know if you think about you know what chuck fletcher should do or what he will do and this is again assuming chuck fletcher is the guy which i think at this point we don't know any different than that right but um i think that you know he Based on his signings, he signed a couple of guys too early before truly testing the market on them last year. He could, you know, take an early deal because he thinks it'll be the best he can get, and that won't be the case because he wouldn't have waited until the trade deadline. Right. Time. Right. Um, but I, I think that's the mistake that I and maybe a bunch of Flyers fans are worried about. You know, that he just doesn't have a good sense of timing on when these deals should be made to get the most out of them.
1: We've seen some issues with that.
0: Yeah. I I think that is the big issue for me that, you know, sometimes he has the right idea, but the execution is bad in terms of what the deal is and the timing of it. And, you know, he's willing to pay people for stuff way too often. And sometimes you just eat it and keep the player rather than doing that too many times to kind of give yourself a reputation like that.
1: Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Okay, we've got a few more questions in ye old mailbag, and we will get to those coming up next. We got a interesting one from David Weigert on Twitter, and he wants to know if it's possible that the Flyers could make a late season playoff push or is it a wash?
1: No, I think it's a wash. I I, I think you're seeing you're gonna see some moments where they look better, and then you're gonna see other moments when they don't and they're not gonna i mean even a team like the islanders i think is going to struggle to to try and make the playoffs so if they're going to be struggling where you know where are the flyers so i i I don't think they're they're going to be there and then especially at the deadline when they trade assets that's when they'll drop
0: exactly i think that'll be the big difference is that you know they could continue winning you know a few extra games than maybe you thought they might up until the trade deadline and then once They sell off they're just not going to have the lineup i mean unless they got some crazy good player back but i just don't see a circumstance where that's happening because you know in a perfect world they're getting draft picks and -hmm. prospects for for the deals that they're making right now to build toward a future in a rebuild yes a rebuild
1: Mm. it's nice to dream
0: yes this is an excellent question as well. If you're Dave Scott, how do you sell keeping the Chuck Fletcher around during trade deadline and the draft this year?
1: I He's not going to try and sell keeping Chuck Fletcher around. He's just going to keep him around. Uh, as far as the end of the year, I don't think he's going to try and sell anybody on Chuck Fletcher. So I think, I think he'll be ambiguous at the end of the season. And then I think at some point we'll get a, Hey, there's a meeting like you know in july that there's been a change in the front office or whatever and it'll be like a little bit of a surprise and we'll go down there and i think that's what's going to happen
0: yeah I-, I can see that happening uh where he he does handle the trade deadline but then you know they decide to let him go at the beginning of the off season. But to me, the two are so inextricably linked, right? The trade deadline and the draft in terms of if you are really gonna do an overhaul of this team and build something different moving forward or and build something with a, a whole different character to it, you need to have the same strategy for those do. two things. And so to me, the only way that that kind of works is if Danny Breyer has more power than we think he does at the trade deadline and he's the one that they put in place, right? It can't be an outside person who wants to come in and put their own stamp on things.
1: Right. I think based on the guys they have, and since when you're at a draft table, everybody's there, I still think Chuck Fletcher is going to be the figurehead at the draft table
0: yeah hopefully he'll have been failed up to team president by then and somebody else is actually doing the strategy
1: (laughs) but if you think about it from an optics standpoint oh totally talking to him if it if if it's Danny Breyer's in charge and Chuck isn't there they're not probably getting as many calls as they normally would because the one thing Chuck has been able to do is at least trade for draft picks
0: that is true that is very true Uh, All right. This is related. Uh, Will John Tortorella stay if the team is bad after next season?
1: You know, this is a tough one because I've kind of gone over this in my mind. And, you know, we've seen where like in in, um, Vancouver, where he just, you know, they kind of called it early Uh, in Columbus. I think he probably stayed a year longer than I thought he might stay a decent length with the Rangers. But I don't think he came here to rebuild. And I think it would be fair to say if he were honest that this year didn't go as planned and was harder than planned. So if next year is similar to this year and they only see slight improvement, I think they're going to, you know, have a discussion. I do because Torts would probably want to find out then what the real direction of the team is. So I'm torn, but I think it's a possibility he could go, and it's probably more likely that he stays. But I don't know if he would if he would stay past his contract. That's a whole other thing, too, because again,
0: it's a four year deal, right?
1: It's a four year deal. So, you know, we'll have to see after this season where things sort of shake out and then next season's a real key. It really is.
0: I I totally agree. I'm also of two minds here because I think that you're absolutely right with everything you just said and that, you know, he's not going to want to go through a full, full rebuild. But I, I also, you know, listened to him where he said, this is the last job I'm going to take and right. he wants to go out on a good note. I mean, I feel like he has that in him that he just, you know, he wants to prove that he could put this team together, you know, come hell or high water and go out as a coach uh, on a high note before he goes to hang out with the dogs for the rest of his life. And I, I just think and the that, horses and the horses, and I just think that, that could be something that's a factor in his decision-making now he could change his mind and take a different job i'm not saying that's impossible but if this truly is the last head coaching job he's going to take i think he'll he'll want to have some success by the end of it
1: yeah i think that's fair
0: all right uh That's the end of our mailbag segment. Thank you so much for your questions. Uh, The Flyers fun thing today. I've been trying to get this in for a couple of days now, but we just haven't had time to work it in. So we're doing it today. Uh, Cutter Gautier after World Juniors, of course, went back to Boston College. And uh, I'm not sure everybody's aware, but they had another outdoor game at Fenway.
1: I think they had two. Yeah, I think they might have had. Yeah.
0: So this one was between UMass and Boston College, and yeah. he scored a goal in this game, and it was a nice one at that.
1: It was the way he um he he brought it uh, along the wall and and kind of shot it from a fair distance. It's interesting when you shoot uh, a shot from kind of a long distance. Outdoors, it's different, you know, because you don't know if you're going to have some wind behind you or whatever. But it was a nice goal. And um, at the end, the celebration that he did was really good. I appreciated it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, these outdoor games that they do, aside from the Winter Classic, are always a, a nice bonus. Um,
1: yeah, I wish I could have stayed for them, but they were just too many days apart. Right. If they'd have been like the next day, I'd have stayed because I, I in, in Detroit, I saw an OHL game, an AHL game, and the Winter Classic. And that was awesome.
0: Yeah, that that was a ton of fun. Uh and I know like in Philly where they did the alumni game as well. Yeah, that was so. great.
1: That was the best alumni game.
0: Yeah. Oh, by far. By far. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. I am very excited. We're going to recap the the game against Washington. And Russ has his first list out for the draft and rankings. So we're going to kind of go over that. And see if there are any surprises, any guys we should keep an eye on based on those rankings. Uh, always love to hear Russ's input on the prospects. And if you have mailbag questions, like we answered today, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail. Uh, you can comment over on YouTube as well. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at Miriam. That's r m i r i a m.
1: I'm Russell at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y.
0: Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen today. For your next listen, check out Locked On NHL Prospects. It's a daily show covering the next generation of hockey superstars. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.